Unfortunately, there's no jackhammers, but there was a car just going by. That was kind of loud. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty upset. It's really like almost no wind and almost no <laughs> major reconstruction problem. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. This is uh, Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian Dave Marshall. This is Michael J. Flores. Uh, so, what did you think of uh, Pro Tour Amazon Sword, Mike? Um, I liked it. I didn't like some parts. I loved it. Didn't love some parts. At least the parts where John and Go lose. You know, I talked to John about this last night, you know, and I'm like, John, you said you never got a win like before? <laughs> really? You know, it's funny. Yeah. When that happened, yeah. I was like, I'll bet you Mike is trying to call John right now. It happened at 4 a.m. I did not know what happened. So I, I caught up like six hours after it happened, Brian. You understand you started the webcast. You, you understand that he, he actually didn't have a win. He didn't couldn't take the win there. Yeah, they wouldn't have given him the they, win. They weren't going to give yeah, him Yeah, I didn't think they would give him the, the win. The, because the way... So, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, and shame on you if you haven't watched the webcast. Um, I don't watch the webcast. Shame on you. I watched a lot of them. <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing. Sure. I wasn't awake. Uh, well, they re-ran it. No, I, mean, I, ran, I watched, like, you know, a lot of the deck techs, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But I know who won all the matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so, like, oh, I'm going to be really, oh, you know, I'm, oh go lost. Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen three hours ago. So, anyway, so, game five, quarterfinals, Alexander Hain versus John Finkel. Uh, Alexander Hain, who, when I interviewed him prior to the quarterfinals, I'm like, so, you're nervous about playing John? And he's like, no, I want to play John. Yeah. He's yeah, like, he had a good matchup. He's, no, he, that, it was regardless of matchup. He's just like, I just want to play against the best player. Yeah, all these guys you talk to these days keep saying they want to play against John, and then John loses. <laughs> what the hell's going on with this? Oh, man, the best tweet of the weekend was Kibler saying, it's like, wait, I need John to not make the finals? I don't like my chances. <laughs> but Brian Kibler, U.S. national champion on this new fangled no actual tournament to determine the champion. Yeah, no no actual tournament other than... All the other tournaments. All the tournaments. Like, it's probably the best determination of U.S. national champion we've ever had. Unless you... I guess Kibler's a fine champion. If Finkel's the runner-up... Like, like Ralph Levy in France and Vincent Lemoy in Belgium, Su Jin Kuo in, APAC, in uh, Taiwan, Jeremy Neiman in Australia, Paulo Vitor Damasorosa in Brazil, Alexander Hain in Canada, so on and so on. I mean, it's, it's a great system. I think it's awesome. Like, you're guaranteed that each national team's going to have at least, you know, one... Some sickies. Like, super experienced... <laughs> player who's had an opportunity to play in the limelight before. Yeah, but I mean, who else have you got? Juza. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Martin Juza. Great. Yeah. He actually is really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Love seeing Go in the top eight, top two. His second. His second oh, so heartbreaking, though. That was such a brutal loss for him. Why? So, he made second he, in the Pro Tour. Yeah, he made second in the Pro Tour. I understand. Sympathy, Did he miss Platinum sympathy. or something? No, right? Yes. What? So, he comes into that tournament not even not even silver. He needs to make top 75 for silver, top 16 for gold, and the only way he can hit platinum is with a win. Yeah. So if he hits platinum, he, He's hits like, it, he wins nudge, it. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. He wins, he wins platinum, a, bro. He wins, yeah, but so does Hain. Oh. <laughs> he wins. I guess Hain actually hit platinum just by making top 8. I think he had 20 coming in. But, uh, he, he wins, he wins the, the event, which qualifies him for the Players' Championship. Gets yeah. him a seat at the Players' Championship. He hits platinum. Rookie of the year. No, well, I'm saying that's all Hain, but this is all what Go loses. Oh. So Go Go misses. He's four points shy of platinum. 
So he's just... There's no Grand Prix to he's, hit? He's just gold. I mean, I'm sure he could have gotten to one Grand Prix. There's no more Grand no, Prix. No, no, this was the last... What about the Grand Prix that are going to happen like this, in the... Yeah, they're next season. They're the 2012-2013 oh. season. Beat down. Yeah, John probably won't even make Platinum next year. He won't play in any events. I mean, he's going to just make... Easily make Platinum. <laughs> he's just going to easily make Platinum, just going to Pro Tours. Plus, he gets... Plus, pe- people in the Players' Championships, they get a pro point per win. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's sick. A pro point per win, and if you make day three or whatever, the yeah. top eight, then you get two pro points per win on day three. So listen to this. So you can get, like, 15 pro points at that event if so you win it. when they announced the new f- format, John was, like, just sitting around one day, and he goes, I guess I'm just going to go make platinum. And I'm like, really? You're going to play tournaments? He's like, I'll only need two. And so <laughs> he goes out and plays in two Grand Prix, comes back, and he's platinum. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess nice. He's like, eh. Free airfare to some more tournaments. I guess I'll play. <laughs> it was like a billion top six seeds. <laughs> two top eights on the season. He literally was sitting around one day. He's like, huh, I think I can just spike two of these tournaments and make platinum. <laughs> like, really? He's like, yeah, I don't really. I'm not usually into, you know, playing magic tournaments or anything, but they're so easy. <laughs> he didn't say that last part. That was an invention of reality. Yeah, well, it, it was pretty interesting. It's like, I'm, I'm walking in on Sunday. Uh, to the pro tour, and two players are outside, and they're just like, one of them's obviously just had a miserable weekend. Yeah. And the other one, I mean, they probably both had a miserable weekend because they're not in the top, right? You know, whatever. And one of them's like, ah, you know, I hate magic. Magic's just all luck. And then, as <laughs> then he's John saying Finkel it over his by. shoulder, John Finkel's walking into the hall, and the guy's like, yeah, exactly. Luck game. You got it. <laughs> what must all it, luck. <laughs> what must it be like to not care at all? Not practice at all except for like one week per quarter and be so much better than everybody else put together. I have no idea. I mean, like, he just doesn't, he doesn't care. Like, I actually hung out with him and I understand he loves the game like we love the game. And it's given him even more than it's given us, maybe. I don't know. It's given all of us so much in our lives. But like, sit, like I, I was sitting around like, um, you know, Patrick was here playtesting with them. Sam Black was there. Andrew was here, you know. So I just actually kept coming to John's a bunch just to hang out with people I don't see. And, like, Reed Duke is so serious about playtesting. And Andrew's, like, you know, Andrew's, Andrew's, like, cracking very dry humor about being a vegetarian or whatever. And literally, Finkel's just sitting around in the kitchen making cats' sandwiches, <laughs> walking by, and then saying, hey, who wants to play against my blue-red Delver deck? It's awesome. And then everyone's like, John, your deck sucks. He's like, I know, but I can put a pike on an invisible stalker. All right, I guess I'll go make another Kansas sandwich. And he like just saunters off. And so, and that, but he was actually, to be fair, John would like make all the packs for drafts because I guess there weren't enough real right, packs. So right. he would, he had a diligent job of making packs, you know, something like that. And then like a week later, he's like, oh, another Pro Tour Finals, another week. Yeah, but at the same time, like Chapin was talking about, tweeting about when they were in Barcelona, like that John and Kai were just grinding 10 game I mean, sets against each other I'm sure. and warping the entire room around them, right? I'm sure that Chapin is dramatizing what really happened in the same way that I just dramatized the complete dismissiveness of John, which is obviously not true either, sure. right? But in my experience, really, just making sandwiches and draft packs while other people were playtesting. Terrible decks. Sure. What do you, uh, what do you make of the decks from the event? Um, I liked uh, the deck that Sam Black, Go, and John played. Uh, I liked Hayne's deck. I mean, you asked me this on Twitter. You know, how far is Haynes' deck from what I would have mirrored? Well, well, we were talking when we first, I think we were previewing 
we were talking about Terminus on the, yeah. the one Abbott's and Restored podcast we did. Yep. And you were like, well, I could see a situation where... All miracles, jam all the miracles. Speed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tammy, I, we said pretty much... Semi- I even said, like... Oh, actually... Was it you who told me that we could do this, or did I think of it myself that you have uh, Tamio and then you kill people with uh, with thoughts? I think I think I was talking about killing with thoughts. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. we had the whole. Show. I w- the, here's the thing, though. I would have probably tried really hard to jam red, so I really like thunderous wrath, and then bonfire is even better than bonfire thunderous wrath. Bonfire would be insane. But I would have never come up with. I mean, I know my own limitations as a designer. I would have never come up with feeling of dread. Nobody came up with feeling of dread except, except for Hane. Except for Hane, and literally. What was Hane doing when he came up with feeling of dread? Do you know? I do know. I know exactly what he was doing. I don't, I don't want to hear the story he told the video. I wonder what he was really doing. He was, what he was really doing was, he was on a cruise. Yeah. He was laying in bed. He was trying to sleep. He was fretting about what he was going to do in certain matchups. And John Cale's version of Hallelujah was playing. And Feeling of Dread popped into his head. I know so many Canadian, this team stories, but I don't think I'm allowed to say most of <laughs> them. This is my phone. I have to cut this out? Yep. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> snap, snap. Remember to cut this part out. Yeah. <laughs> 944. Can I, can I make a bet? <laughs> oh, it's not going to come out, is it? <laughs> so I cut out some of the podcast <laughs> on account of... It was talking about <laughs> how someone... Okay. Back to, back to what we were talking about. I liked Hayden's deck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I would have never come up with Feeling of Dread. Yeah, it seems it seems amazing. Uh, I mean, it was, right? I mean, you saw it in, like, like Go kept a perfectly, uh, a marginal but good hand in Game 5. You can't, uh, a hand you can't mull. Right. Land, Avison Pilgrim, stuff to do on turn 2, right? Yeah. And he just got walked. And he just got, yeah, he just got rished and ported out of the tournament. Yeah, Hayne was talking about just porting people's pilgrims. Like that was actually one of the most astute things. He's just like, yeah, it's not good against their hexproof guys, but you keep their Avacyn's pilgrim tap, not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. So wait, what did John keep in game five? He made no plays for four turns. He was dead. If he was going to make no plays. For I don't. Four turns. I don't remember what he kept. I, I don't. I honestly don't remember. It was that top eight was easily the most exciting top eight I've ever had a chance to Because the miracles do. are exciting. It was so exciting. Like, I was on an adrenaline wave yeah. from, like, game five of the John Hayne match all the way through to the finals. You know what's so interesting <clears throat> is that miracles are obviously so exciting, and I love the miracle cards and the miracle mechanics so much, but all I want to build in standard is Wolf Rear decks. <laughs> I mean, I've sworn off green for five years now, sure. but I just want to make Silverheart decks. All right, let me ask you a question. Silverheart's amazing. In standard, I could be playing blue cards, and I yeah. want to be making right, green. Let me, cards. let me ask you a question: How far is this deck to build? This is the the core of the deck is built around Tamio. Okay, we're playing Tamio four of Tamio. We want to kill with some sort of ultimate Tamio condition. We don't really care what it is. Yeah. How many fogs do you need to play to you make know, this happen? Don't play fogs. Play white and red miracles to kill other guys. Okay. And then just level up Tamio. You just walk Tamio up. Because the, the fog. Okay, I was just thinking about fog. I think because Tamio fog, you never die. Like if you get a fog in your like, assuming people are trying to kill you with creatures, yeah. Which I think is the common assumption in Magic. Like, you have now have Tamio 
ultimated, and you're like, okay, I'm going to find my... Well, the point. real question is, would you rather have a Tamiyo with a mana leak than a Karn or something? You know, like, is that better? I don't know. See, I mean, Tamiyo just seems easier to get out. And but Karn is unbeatable. It's a problem is, like... Tamiyo is kind of similar. You play Tamiyo, I play Karn, your Tamiyo goes away. Sure. And she will return someday. Yeah. That's I mean, the problem. Like, you know, Tamiya's good. Like, you untap with Tamiya on a counter spell. Karn might not resolve. Yeah. So why, why wouldn't I do that? I'm just, I'm just, put, I'm just spitballing. So here's the deck. You want to stay alive? Talismans to stay alive. Right? Well, you, it's more than staying alive, right? You also want to protect Tamiya. You just protect her with Gideon. That's, that's, that's definitely one of the cards. So you go, like, third turn Talisman... Fourth turn, land drop, Tamiyo, tap down their threat, take the small threat in, play Gideon, Tamiyo never... How is Tamiyo going to die? You have a Gideon and Tamiyo. <laughs> like, they needed all his dust. I mean, like, <laughs> like, you're just sitting there gaining life with Talisman with Tamiyo and Gideon in play. Tell me how... The... What could go wrong? I don't... Oblivion Ring? Or you can, I even guess. Play, you can even play Faith Shield. I mean, do I have one Tamiyo and one Gideon? <laughs> like, what do you think I'm doing with the rest of my land? <laughs> Drawing cards, countering spells. The other, the other thing I was thinking, I've been thinking about since then is obviously just like miracles in standard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, how good is Noxious Revival? Like, assuming you're just like taking. Oh, I. You know what I like about it? Taking the strategy that I can make my life go down by two, so I can crush people with timely reinforcements. But you get to also, uh, you can also just, like, use Alexander Haynes' strategy of filling your graveyard. Yep. Right? And so suddenly you're like, oh, I have this whole smorgasbord of cards. Like, you could put a Noxious Revival and a Temporal Mastery in your yard. And then you're like, oh, look at this Snapcaster Mage. Snapcaster Mage, Noxious Revival, put my Temporal Mastery on top, draw my Temporal Mastery, Time Walk you, do all this. You know, I could put my Temporal Mastery bet, on top and then just I cast it. But I put my... How about I Noxious Revival, put my um, Desperation Tide on top, cast Desperation Tide, return my Snapcaster Mage. Okay. Remember back when Counterbalance was new and we weren't sure that Counterbalance, Sunset's Divine Top, was going to be a thing? Yeah, we weren't sure. Like, like this is obviously the most busted thing. We're not actually sure it's going to be a thing. They were like, well, how many times do you think some idiot is going to go, like, duress you? <laughs> <laughs> with a with a top in play, or no, yeah. I'm sorry, with Cabal Therapy with a top in play, they flip the top and then they're like, "Okay, got that out of your hand, flash it back." <laughs> Remember we had that one? Yeah. Okay. How many times do you think some idiot is going to dox his survival and temporal mastery, and then try to level the opponent on their turn with a thought scout? <laughs> like, put it on top of my deck, draw with thought scout. Oh, damn it! What the? It's like that time somebody spelled Imperial Armor with a U. Damn it. How many times, Brian? A lot. <laughs> That's going to happen. That's, That's going to be a thing. Ooh, can I take that back? It's no. going to be a thing. Yeah, I... Uh, oh, wait. Did I stop recording? No, I didn't no, stop. No, you didn't. Yeah, I, uh, I think... I think Noxious Bible Miracles is going to be a very real thing for... Until we return to Ravnica. Why don't you just play green? play green because then you can pay for it you can mulch I mean mulch is perfectly awesome in this deck and what's even awesomer than mulch what just rampant growthing for your awesome stuff yeah rampant growth snap, snapcaster mage rampant growth is also really exciting 
Return to Ravnica. You get really far. You get really far ahead of your opponents. Do you think they're going to be a Niv Miss at Planeswalker? I mean, I don't know. Is Jason in, in the in the Is it Tribe? I don't know. They chilling. They like on that balcony chilling together. I tell you what, I'll tell you a bunch of stuff, but then we have to cut that part of the podcast. All right, deal. <laughs> I cannot believe all the stuff that you just told me. That was so insane. Jason is it? Jason is it? Wow, it's a it's a flip card with Jason on one side and <laughs> an actual flip card, actual not flip a transform card. Yeah. card. <laughs> just like flip it up. So Jace became a planeswalker. He used to be Niv Mizzet, but then when he, he ascended to planeswalkerhood, he lost the wings and stuff. Why didn't that happen with uh, Nicol Bolas? It's gonna be really awkward if any of this turns out to be true. <laughs> why is there? Brian. Why is there a season desist on this? It's like Polish Tamales' art, <laughs> taken right off the internet. Yeah, I've, I feel bad about that. Why like, did you do it? What? No, no, no. I didn't do anything. Do I'm just saying, bad? I feel bad. Like, anytime someone just does something, you know, he does something. something. He's, he's really, he's obviously motivated by passion and sort yeah. of a care. And, you know, he's sort of like, oh, you know, people retweet this and help me out because, yep. uh, you know, they've taken him out. Nobody like, does that. Nobody retweets or responds to you on social media, talks to you. They don't do that. But. They actually do. Yeah, but, but the thing to me that is like, you know, like someone said, well, you know, it just sucks that Wizards is being such a wrench about this. And, you know, not taking it for what it is, like, free publicity. And I'm like, how is that just free publicity? Like, if I just go and do a Spider-Man webcomic, <laughs> am I just giving Marvel free publicity? Like, I mean, there has to be some expectation you know, it, that if you tell stories with someone else's intellectual property, that there's a chance someone with an attache case and a Brooks Brothers suit is going to knock on your door, right? Is it Adam Katz? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, excuse me, looking for work. <laughs> He has a job. He's the chief compliance officer of some oh, is he? I don't know. some place. Last I heard, he wasn't working. He he changed his title on yeah. LinkedIn like two weeks ago. Oh, okay, good for him. He had a big stack of money anyway. Let's yeah, be yeah, honest. Yeah, for destroying the economy yeah. with his trade wind riders in 1998, <laughs> top eight. He had, he had the turtle deck, right? Yeah, turtle deck. And Horn Turtle has been a storied card in Magic the Gathering. Then him and then River Kaijin was that the other Horn Turtle? That was. Every time that guy is in print, he's making he's making top eights of big events. Adam Katz, Antonino DeRosa. Did he played River Kaijin. He did. He had River Kaijin in the Grand Prix winning deck. You can't have. Is River Kaijin just uh, just a Deceiver Exarch without the Flash and special ability? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wow. Just like a, is it a spirit? Yes, it is a spirit. So, it's got some little, like, my plus .25. But Horn Turtle is no such. It's like plus .25 from Horn Turtle. But, and then there's, like, some other guy. The other turtle that me and uh, me and GCB almost played at Nationals one year. It was, like, the same thing, but with, uh, with Hexproof. Which one was that? And then the Flippy Turtle. Then if you, like, played a land, like, you could nug him for four. We almost played it at Nationals one year. Oh, it's oh, like, oh, oh, What's his name? Oh, that was, uh... FlippyHexproofTurtle.com? Yeah, 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 I remember that guy. That was good. Yeah, but the problem is you can never get through a blocker. Right, right. So, like, if like if you were real clever, it was awesome, but then, like, if they just had a blocker, it was just, like, sure. dismal. So we played, like, the, the... What's the guy? Like, he's red in one. He gets bigger every time you, uh... You, uh... Oh, that was a good one. Why didn't you alert me faster? Sorry. 
You're not sorry. You're like greedy. You just keep it. I don't all, understand. You can position yourself differently on this corner than I do. Yeah, I position myself now. I see an old guy walking by. All right. Anyway, um, let's talk about the Pro Tour some more. Sure. So, what was your favorite deck of the Pro Tour? Uh, uh, Haynes deck. Haynes deck. Yeah, like just tied for two two decks tied. Haynes deck and actually the Fight Club deck, the Mono Green deck. Oh, I don't like that deck. Really? I you got I you had to watch that deck in action. That was he had like so a very good record until you talked to him, and yeah. then he like dropped every match. One one. Really? Yeah, he was 8-1-1 one, and, one and constructed with that deck. I don't like that deck. He lost every round in Limited. <laughs> but he was fine. No, he was fine. He was really good in constructed. But why didn't he have more Silver Hearts? I mean, I mean he had one. Uh, yeah, I don't remember even what his, his thinking for that was. He was too busy trying to get more Nightshade Peddlers into the main deck. <laughs> like, I watched Nightshade Peddler do serious work, though. Like, like, he would just get his opponent into a position where... Like, first of all, he could just pair... A nightshade peddler with a predator ooze, yeah, and then give it death touch, and he's like, "Oh, just kill your guy." Fight, 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 fight. 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 Yeah, it was, it I was mean, but the, the thing is, like, what I don't understand is, like, just look at it as look at it as a basilisk collar from Pro Tour. I, I, I understand, but Probably. every freaking deck in the de- tournament had like the RFG shock. Why don't they just kill his Uvenwald tracker? I, a lot of decks didn't have that. Like half the decks in the top eight had that card. Sure, and that maybe the other half of the decks had bigger creatures than him. That may, well, he was also playing four trackers where everyone else was playing. Well, I understand. Yeah, but he has no card advantage. Like he just has to draw his forests and play his guys and have uh, mana to use his I trackers. The, ma- the mana in this format was so bad; it really was very bad. Thanks for the alert. That was a was a nicer review this time. Yeah, the the mana in the format was so bad that like. He didn't have card drawing, but like his ability to just go play my guy, play my guy, play my guy, yeah. play my guy. I thought that Go and John and Samsek had fine mana. Yes, it did. But it was still, it still wasn't perfect. But it still, I mean, it was as, I think as ideal as you could get it within the format. But like they were still like, Kevin of Souls is doing very hard work. Yeah, it was the second hardest working Kevin of Souls in the tournament. Who's the hardest? Uh, the hardest had to have been Paul Ritzels. Yeah. Yeah, Alright, you're either naming Vampire or you're naming Human. <laughs> and you're playing something on turn one. <laughs> so um, I love Breedsel's back, actually. Red-white aggro? Yeah. Predictable. Deck. So, no, it wasn't that predictable, though. Like, the Stromkirk Noble in the deck was really unexpected. I thought really? that, that was really... That was actually one of the... Like, the, the ability to get Stromkirk Noble and or Chapel... Uh, I understand. Or the Chapel Champion I played that, play on turn one seemed like a big deal to me. And I, I didn't see it in a lot of other decks. I played that half of the matchup against the team at John's. So I was literally... This, this is literally going on. So I think I, I beat Patrick, like... Slightly better than than 50% against whatever his control deck at the time was. Like, he won the first game, and I'm like, oh, I, I really hate this deck. Like, it's, first of all, it's a really dissatisfying deck to play. Like The red-white deck? Yeah. Like, you sit there, and then you have to pray that your mana will hit so that you can morbid up um, Brimstone Volley. There's no other way you win a lot of games. Like, you just sit there, and, like, they eventually... You get a little damage in, they contain you, and then you're like, all right, he has a Curse of Death's Hold in play. So what I need to do is get to four lands. I need to play a guy, die to his Curse of Death's Hold, and I need to hit the Brimstone Volley. And he has already ultimated Tamiyo, so I need to do it yesterday. Check. Like, that, I, no, no. I, yeah, I, like I said, I beat Patrick more than half the time. But so anyway, at the end of the set, I'm like, this deck is so dissatisfying to play. And 
And Andrew's like, I, I think that's going to be one of the most popular decks to play. And I said, I cannot imagine ever wanting to play this deck. And Patrick looks me in the eye and he goes, you can't imagine Paul Rietzel playing this deck? And I said, checkmate. <laughs> right, and Rietzel hadn't gotten there yet, hadn't seen the deck yet. Yeah, yeah. This is all pre-Rietzel. Yeah, the deck had Noble Rietzel. and... and uh, and champion. The first night, the first night I was there, uh, Reed tried to deal deal me into a draft, and I was like, "No, no, Reed, no, no. <laughs> it's not how it works on this end." <laughs> um, but then John almost made me draft because Go was late, and then Go got there in time. Sure. Luckily, he was able to practice for the Pro Tour. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I thought that that deck had very. I, I saw a game where he had human, vampire, and devil. In play? All, 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 no, all named on three caverns. Yeah, yeah, in play. Yeah. So did he have the guy that's like a 4 3 for 1? No, he had. Um, Hellrider. Hellrider. That guy's awesome. Yeah. I'm surprised there was not more Hellrider. It's double red, though. So, like, if yeah. you're going to play the base green version, like, you just want Hunt Masters and maybe a what, little removal. What, one of the guys who finished... Like, Hellrider's a lot less attractive when you want to play with, like, Silver Hearts, right? Sure. You can only have so many super expensive creatures. Did you see the red-green deck that went 9-1? Probably, but I don't know which one it is. Uh, it's, it's one of the American players whose name you don't know. Yeah. I think it might have been Brian Hawley. Well, I, I, one of the things I did, I tried to track all the, all the deck lists by point total. So I just like want to see if there's twenty-seven points. Yeah. There's, and, a, there's a twenty-eight. Was it Gerard who went twenty-eight points? I think so. Um, but he went he went twenty-seven points in the deck, and like the deck's really nice. It's just this green red deck. You know, it just curves up into Hellrider, and it had Dawn Treader on. I like so, the Dawn Treader. But out. you were talking about like getting your Morbid on for your yeah. Brimstone volleys. Oh, that's great! Right, so you like you have this like little two drop, and you get in, and then like some point you're like, oh. it's unattractive to try to kill it too. That's the yeah. Thing. <laughs> you're like, oh look. I can, I can just I stick like a morbid here. Like the deck was really sweet. You know, it had, it had a lot of nice cards, and it just had a lot of synergy. I was I was really impressed with it. Did he have the five drop guy that threatens? I he may have in the sideboard. I don't remember. Like, the thing that I that card was so good, and I was I think very underplayed. The thing that I worry about in that format is like I would I would be really worried if I was playing a creature deck about just I, getting outpowered by I, my I opponent. Didn't, I was not excited by Patrick's Gisela. Like, uh, I, mean, I, I saw people just shoving Gisela down their team's throat all day. I mean... People were like, oh, Zealous Conscript. Yeah. You know, or just, like, games would just warp around, like, well, he's holding a Gisela. I mean... But he knows his opponent can just have Zealous Conscript, so they just stare at each other. Well, Patrick had to dissipate or something, didn't he? I, sure. I, I mean, like, well... I'm not saying... I, I've I'm had just, this discussion with him outside of this context... I think that he's one of the most talented constructed players in the world. Not just a very good deck designer, he's a very talented constructed player. But I think he has—he just likes these control decks so much, so he always wants to play control. But I think it hurts him because he can't evaluate his opening hand as well when he's playing an active deck. So, like, when he top-baited in Paris last year, he was playing a deck with controlish elements, but it was a very active deck. It was like, here's a mana acceleration, I'm tapping out on turn three for a four-mana planeswalker, a really concrete plan I want to do. And it wasn't this kind of deck that's just like, I'm going to remove this, I'm going to hide behind this, I'm going to blah, 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 you know. It wasn't like, a tightrope act, which is what, which is, that deck was clearly a tightrope act. Um, yeah, like, I felt like, I, I feel like just when I see Patrick do really well, he, even if he's playing like a blue deck, he plays a much more active deck. Like, he understands what he wants to do, and he's doing the things that he wants to do, and he's putting his mark on the game. And I think that he saw Gisela probably as a very powerful end game card. Super powerful. But, like, you know, there's just too many things that can go wrong in the first eight turns of the game, right? Like, you're talking about, like, 
you have essentially no response card to an Invisible Stalker, right? There's none in the format, right? No, you you have to have like a, a Liliana or you have a, to have Liliana or a or Bonfire a, the Damned or Blasphemous Act. No, there's a the the Terminus. the three mana oh, edicts. Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah. You can play that too, but no one played black cards really. No, actually, the only black cards in the top eight were Grizzled Brand and Unholy and Unburial Rites, right? Yeah, yeah. So like the and I, and I I feel I do feel like there was a black deck that same way in I the, hated Conley's deck. Same well, I don't I don't think it was Conley's deck. Like I think you could just play almost mono removals. Like I I, I think it's possible. I like that, that idea. I like that was a good one. Yeah. I, I think it's possible that even a card like Zombie Apocalypse was appropriate. I, I, in sideboard. I like where you're going at, but the problem is that all of these like very cohesive strategies that you're talking about have a tendency, I think, in a format like this, that you're going to be badly outpowered, right? So what I was really surprised at was that nobody played the combo deck because in their testing, like their which, combo, which deck combo deck was insane. I can't believe they didn't play. I mean, granted, they did even better, right? Wait, which combo deck? Andrew made a deck that was self mill with oh, red. Oh, sure, sure, sure. He had a yeah. He had a laboratory maniac. Deck. Yeah, and he always won. I don't understand why they. I was like, this deck just seems unbelievable. Like you sit there, his entire deck strategy is drawing did, more cards than mine. He played in the event. I thought he played one of the other team decks. No, I thought he played. I thought he played laboratory maniac, but I don't. I don't know. He was he was better than sixty percent against the beatdown decks, like against like the Paul Reese type deck. His deck was all like three, four guy in turn three, removal cards and hunt masters. Sit, 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 kill you. Like they could never get through, right? And then against the yeah, con- people just didn't have spot removal for a maniac. There's no instant speed removal. That's a problem. Like you have all of, yeah, you have all the you have bounce cards. You can lock it down. You know, but there's no instant speed. It's only brimstone volley. He sits there with a dissipate in his hand. Yeah. He's like, no, wait, so I have two dissipates. Like, okay, sit. They're not going to kill you. What are they going to kill you with? He literally sits there destroying people with like faithless looting and de- desperate ravings until he kills them. Like, and then the other thing was like. And like even like the aggressive draws, like sit 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 sit. Oh, I'm gonna lose. Not of the bone. I'm at sixty. And like I think not, not of the bone's another card. I think that card just awesome. His deck was like insane creatures. Not was, of the bone. Card drawing. I guess they couldn't fit it in. No, I guess they could fit it in. I'm surprised there wasn't a not of the bone or two in the sideboard of Yasuoka's deck. Which one is Yasuoka? Yasuoka's the the reanimated deck in the top eight. Oh, okay. Really? But they didn't have very many creatures, did they? They had a lot of creatures. They had a fair amount. They had, like, Huntmaster, Gristlebrand. Borderland Ranger, Cathedral Sanctifiers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, never mind. I, I, I'm obviously misremembering. I like the Angel-Human angel, angel human sub-theme in that deck. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah. So you, like, um, uh, Travis Wu posted a similar deck the previous week. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I thought Andrew's deck was unbelievable. And, like, it seemed like by far their a, best I didn't get a deck. chance to see it in action. It sounded right up my alley, obviously. Yeah, yeah so, like, the thing was, like, people kept, like... People kept asking me about, like, oh, what should I play going into this Pro Tour? And I, my answer across the board was, I cannot talk to you. Like, I've seen the decks from, like, my very good friends. Are, like, I think their decks are very impressive relative to what I've seen on the Internet. I'm not going to talk to you. Sorry. Right. You know, like, and um, I don't know. I, it, Andrew's deck just seemed unbelievable. It was like a lot of their decks were mono removal. Mono removal, that can't beat that deck. Sure. Like, sure, sure, sure. You're like, sure. So... Because the other thing is, like, if you want to play, like, the Sitsis game with them, they're like, all right, Serendipifree, let's go. I have a counterspell. Yeah, Serendipifree, counterspell? Like, you're like... You're talking about Fettergeist, obviously. Yeah. It's like you're playing against, you're playing against, uh, what do you call it? um, Four four top of this was 
a big number this weekend. I mean, like, imagine you're playing, like, uh, Paul's deck, right? I'm, like, first turn Faithless Looting, discarding a knot of the bone, you know? <laughs> you're, like, something on second turn Desperate Ravings, third turn Fettergeist. Bring it. Can you kill this? Like, you're probably just going to, like, throw your guy. Well, you could. It's going to yeah. take you three cards. You throw your guy, your guy dies, and you burn it. Okay, great. There's your turn. Huntmaster of the Fells. Go. Like, like, now you have to deal with my Huntmaster of the Fells. And the thing is, like, the beauty is you actually have to care about these idiotic cards I don't care about. And eventually, like, oh, I started to lose. I guess I'll flash back one of my six Gnaw of the Bones that are in the graveyard. Better guys go. Then you're like, oh, I finally got through it. And you're like, tell you what. Laboratory Maniac, Laboratory Maniac, go. <laughs> like, you have two Maniacs to play? All right, kill one in response, Desperate Ravings. Good game. <laughs> like, that was how all their games were going. I mean, not all of them. It was only about a 60% matchup against Beatdown, but it's an insane matchup against Beatdown for this format yeah. with, with those beat, many beat colors. Beatdown was, interestingly, like, the bane of Ains So, like... He, on, got, he got his tappy-tappies, though. Well, but I'm saying, like, on day one, so he went, I mean, that's kind of amazing. Like, he went 1-3, then 14-0. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not 14-0. He went 13-0-1, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Like, he... He Ken Crooner'd it? Yeah. yeah Remember when just, Ken Crooner, like, lost every round at Worlds? Gary Wise is like, just nutted up. And then he won 14 straight rounds yeah. top eight. Yeah, that's basically what happened with Hayne. He's 1-3. and three. He's Speaking like, of maybe never this losing, awesome deck isn't good. Speaking of never losing... I know that we haven't talked about basketball yet this podcast. The San Antonio Spurs have lost one of the last 28 games. One game. You can ask Steve Saden who my preseason pick was. Uh, we had this conversation. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, like, you know, Ben Murray asked me, like, who my five favorite players in the league are. I mean, I almost was just like, Ginobili, Parker, Timmy... Booby Gibson and, uh, and Anderson Verjout, which is my real answer, right? I'm like, all right, Kevin Love. <laughs> I actually like Kevin Durant better than Kevin Love, I think. I also really like Nash. But, like, if you ask me who my favorite players are who weren't Cavs for, like, the, all this whole time, I would have just snap said Parker Ginobili Duncan. Right, right, right. <laughs> I love Ginobili. Like, <laughs> I know that there are more talented point guards in the NBA than Parker. I love Parker. Like, what does this have to do with New York Rangers hockey? I don't know. I've moved on. <laughs> I've moved One on. One game. And like, like uh, who said it? Like, uh, Hollinger was like, people think that the Spurs' defense first game is boring. <laughs> like, like, I don't think it's boring. Did you watch that game? <laughs> How do you say Leonard's first name? Kawhi. I thought it was Kawhi. I thought it was Kawhi Leonard. I, so... He just has this stretch where he gets four steals and nails, like, three threes or something. Like, what... That player is doing it. Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker are on the floor. Like, so did you watch any of the? I've watched like. Did you watch any of every the Lakers this propaganda this morning? Oh no, I didn't watch that. So, like, there's so many good games right now. So, so the end of the game. So the Spurs. I mean, the Thunder go on a 9-0 run. Yeah. To take a two-point lead. I watched that. I watched that last second. night. Game. Oh, wait, wait. It, stop. So, for one second. Stop. One second. This is how good... No, you, don't, you don't know who Webb is, do you? He's a founding movie clubber, but he's been gone for like a year. Sure, I, I, so Webb came for last night. He showed him typically unwatchable movie. Love Webb. He always shows movies nobody likes to What was unwatchable? What was it? Uh, it's called Afterlife. It's a Japanese movie mm-hmm. about interviewing Japanese people. Sure. With no plot. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. It has a plot with no story or climax. Sure. Okay? He's like, this is a very formative movie. Like fetish porn. <laughs> 
the very formative movie in my career of watching movies that none of, none of my friends like. That was the speech he gave at the beginning. So, but I got to see Webb, you know, hang out with John, etc. I talked magic a little bit. You know, I saw a bunch of my friends, like I do almost every Wednesday. And I got home in time to watch the Thunder come back against the Lakers. So I got to watch. I got to watch Durant's insane layup. And I missed all of Harden's missed shots. Harden hadn't hit a shot yet when I came home. Then he hit three. High five. So, Harden's like my favorite Thunder. So at the end of the game, yeah. they drop a play. The Lakers have one like shot. Oh, I, I know, I know. So this. they drop this play, and our test kicks the ball out to the open shooter. To the open shooter, Blake. Uh, Stephen was it? Steve Blake. Blake. Yeah. And so after the so you and you watch that play, right? Oh my God. So how how open on a scale of one to ten would you say Kobe Bryant was for that play? Okay, I will. Uh, I will do a separate answer. Okay. How and, open on a scale of one to ten? In the same spot when the Cavs were good a few years ago. LeBron James is in the same spot as Kobe many times. And you know what he did? He made it so his teammates always kicked to the open man. And they never lost any of the games. <laughs> because there were three men on LeBron. Like, do you remember, like, those games with Marshall or Booby Gibson or Mo Williams where they drilled him on how, the last how play? How open was Kobe on that play? Would you say a one? Is a one a generous assessment of how open he was? I mean, he's obviously covered. Okay. In the post-game press conferences for both Mike Brown and Kobe Bryant, they're like, I don't really know what Ron Artest was doing there. Kobe was wide open. I mean, like, like just like straight up, straight up, like, I mean, it's 1980s a, communist Russia. We're just going to lie to your face. I mean, it's a Make joke. something up. Kobe missed 20 shots in the second half. He was so bad that ESPN sportscasters actually sounded like you talking about him. Like, they were like, well, you know, this is pretty inefficient. I'm like, they've never said the word inefficient on an ESPN sports I mean, Bynum and Gasol took 30 total shots. Yeah. On which they shot, like, 60%. And between the two of them, do you know how many foul shots Bynum and Gasol missed last night between the two of them? Zero. They hit all their foul shots. Both of them were X for was, X from the foul was, line. It was shooting like of, 60. It was kind of insane. I was I just mean, I was how, how many years have I been saying, the reason that Kobe keeps winning these rings is he has an insane front court. He has Bynum because... Bynum gets all, and, and and Odom was, like, the best of them. And, I mean, they don't have Odom anymore, plus he imploded. No one has Odom anymore. <laughs> but, but the reality Odom is... Odom like, plays for the Kardashians. Not anymore. Have you not seen People magazine? <laughs> oh, what street. happened? Right, they're taking a break. Hell oh, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, like, I'm going to see other basketball teams. <laughs> She's like, like, me too. <laughs> I mean, Kobe has an awesome strategy. Have super efficient rebounding teammates and take a ton of shots. Yeah. <laughs> Just take many shots. So bad. I mean, compare them to a team like that I super like, like the Spurs, where nobody on the team takes 10 shots, and all the ones they do take go into the basket. I, I, it must be, being a San Antonio fan, you must be so spoiled. Can you imagine for the last 10 years having three different players that can't be guarded? And they can't be guarded from three different spots? Like, Ginobili is just the best scoring shooting guard in the league and has been for years. He's an insane three-point shooter, insane at every single kind of shooting the ball. So so we're all... We're all some... Shane Battier, right? Shane Battier, considered best shooting guard defender. He's like, hands down, Ginobili's harder to defend than Kobe or or uh, Iverson because he's ambidextrous. So, like, it's like, Ginobili will just go left on you. Like... You make Iverson do that, he'll always miss. But he'll do it for you. Thanks, Iverson. <laughs> but you do Kobe do it, he'll, he'll lose some efficiency. But, like, ambidextrous, ambidextrous, because Ginobili's also an insane three-point shooter. They have, like, 
Parker. No one can catch Parker. He's the fastest, right? And then Timmy. I think Timmy's been holding down the focus button the entire series. He's just been holding that. And when he lets go in the finals, he's going to punch... I was going to say Bosch, but Bosch is not going to make it. <laughs> to punch Bosch so hard, he's going to tear through space-time and end up in the ABA. They said, they, said, they said coming into the season that Duncan was in the best physical shape of his career. Coming into this season. I mean, I've been watching. He's unstoppable. Like, he just all those shots that he hit against the Cavs four years ago when they won five years ago when they won the title. That's just how he's playing. He just stands there and lobs the ball against like, the backboard. It seems like he's kind of decided that this might be his I, his twin towers moment. Remember when like him and Robinson? Yeah. And, he, and Robinson was like, oh, I think I'll win a championship and then retire. Yeah. I feel like maybe this might even be Duncan's swan song. I mean. But, I think there's a chance he might just retire at the end of the season. Ginobili's playing insane with limited minutes, so like his his actual his totals at the end don't look very good because he didn't just he doesn't he says, oh I only had ten points that's okay. Sure. I mean like Leonard's insane. I mean Parker keeps having forty point games though. So again, <laughs> so we want so we we go to some bar yeah a tapas bar in Spain the other night. Like we're just like oh we gotta get food. There's like ten of us. You know it's like Friday or Saturday. Just night. the ten of us. Just the ten of us. We end up in some bar and the. Sports channel that's there is playing some like Spanish league basketball yeah. game, and it's like the last two minutes, and then it switches over to a broadcast of the 1992 Dream Team Finals, <laughs> or whatever. Maybe it was the finals. Yeah, it was the finals so against Croatia, right? I saw the game live. I don't remember yeah, the yeah. details. And so, and we're just all going nuts every time our favorite players are showing up, and they're like. And everyone's, like, got their little, like... Stockton was pretty good. Everyone's got their little partisan, like, who they're, you know... I'm, like, cheering Christian for Ewing. Like, Christian I'm cheering, Leitner. I'm cheering for Chris Mullen. Oh, Mullen. Well, he grew, up, he grew up, like, three blocks from me. I mean, he's a sick grew, shooter, too. Yeah, so we grew up in the he same... He averaged 28 points a game that season. We grew up at St. Brendan's Parish. Yeah. Uh, but... 28 points a game that season was Everybody... Cool. Every single person goes crazy when David Robinson's on the court. Yeah. You know, he we all really just stand up and salute the Admiral, you know... So, you know what's really undeserving? That, like, the Thunder's going to give the Spurs a good fight. I think they'll go, like, six games or something. But, like, those should be the teams in the finals. Two awesome, awesome franchises playing up-and-coming talent versus... Who's going to be in the finals from the East? I mean, I, I think you still have to say the Heat, but, like, I don't know if they're going to get out of this round. Like, they lost at home already. I mean, like... Hibbert's the best. I mean, Hibbert's the best remaining center in the East, and they just have no answer for him. Like, I mean, obviously, like LeBron's awesome, but like, Indiana's got a bunch of like, just got a bunch of guys who are productive, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very, they're very. There's no, there's no, there's no superstar, but there's no weak link. No, Hibbert's really good, and Green's. Yeah, you know, but there's no, there's no. Granger like, really good. There's nothing that would constitute a big two or a big three or. You know, like people would be falling all over themselves if they were on the free agent market. So I mean, like, like they'd, they'd be premium guys, right? Like, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're they're like rare, but they have a bunch no, of six no million mythics. dollar guys. They have rares, but no mythics. Uh, uh, Hibbert's probably like a couple of foil uncommons. Who do you have as centers in the East? I mean, obviously Chandler's the best. Chandler, Dwight, Barajao, Hibbert, Dwight. Chandler's better than Dwight. You no, know, no, no. I'm just saying, is Dwight, where is Dwight right now? I, don't, I mean, he's know. injured. But even an uninjured Dwight is not as good as Chandler this year. Sure. And I actually don't... I mean, I'm pretty sure Varejao was better than Dwight this year. Like, I mean, obviously both went down on injury. It's hard to say. But, I mean, like, obviously, I, it's hard to say, right? I mean, what do you say about D-Well, right? Neither one of them played their best. Right, right. Like, whereas, like, Varejao played insane, and Chandler played like a god this year. Right? 
Chandler was hands down the best center in the league. Uh, and then I think you, with with guys that good, I mean, you, Hibbert's in the conversation. That's that's good enough. Did you, did you read the uh, Grantland article about drafting Chandler and yes, it was really good. It was just really interesting. I don't, I don't like those people pieces that much. Really, but it was just so interesting to me, like where you can see. I know what you mean. The, the, the trajectory of the two these players, two players and, yeah. the, and the, the the attitude and the desire. And, and One how much, triumphant. And, and how much? Well, how much the idea of like just wanting to work for what you're doing. So I mean, we we were talking about this on the, the Finkel list earlier today. Would you agree that, in terms of league bias, right? You're gonna pick like a handful of teams that the league wants to win. It's gonna be Lakers, Celtics, Knicks, right? No, it's clearly not the Knicks. It really is clearly not the Knicks. No, but the Knicks are shooting themselves in the feet. Sh- Brian. But, but I would love to. You, I've no, done no, this no, before. No, 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 no. Last so, year, tell you. true or false? Last year I said to you, I would be fine if Cleveland traded. Verajao and Booby to the Knicks when when they were still playing say, decent. I'm just telling I would be Stern, happy Stern, to cheer for that team. Stern, I'd be happy to. Stern has some actual beef with Dolan, which is probably reasonable because Dolan's a fucking buffoon. But but it's 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 if if you're going to assume so so basically what this all stems from is people assuming that the referees are biased in favor of certain teams when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, it's provable. And, 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 I mean, some people say that that's provable only by wearing tinfoil on your head. And some people do this for a living and say it's sure. provable. It, it's, and it is, it is clear that if that is the case, that they are very actively anti-Nick. So, a- actively anti-Nick. If you watch the first game of the Heat series this year, I mean, the Knicks got, even Bill Simmons was just like, oh my God, the refs are just crushing Ooh. the Knicks. So here, I, I have two things I want to say. Number one, most of the people who's tried to make the counter-argument say like, oh, well, if small markets are so are so unfavored, how do you explain the Spurs? I don't know. How do you explain the Spurs? They are the best sports organization in existence. Yeah. I mean, like, they are so good, they can beat the, the bias. Like, sure. you know, uh, they have not had a top 20 pick since Tim Duncan. And they've won three titles since then and won 50 games every single year. Yeah, Tim Duncan's really good. What? I mean, like, <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. Tim Duncan's really good. I agree. Is he better than LeBron James? Is he better than... Dwight Howard? Is he better than Chris Paul? Because all those guys also got to be on teams. I, I think he might be. Because, um, because but Duncan's like maybe best power forward of all time. But LeBron's I, 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 definitely best small forward of all time. Yeah, but LeBron, I, and, and this is something not very quantifiable, right? But yeah. you know, it was something that was talked about on the list. The the, the chemistry factor. Is something LeBron is is clearly a negative chemistry guy. I just he seems like the ultimate teammate to me. This is what I would say. He he's, he he brings he's like a storm cloud of drama that Agreed. is just going to follow Agreed. him around. Where where uh, and he's you know, insane Duncan, on the floor. Where Tim Duncan is absolutely drama free. Right? There's never I agree been a murmur you. of drama around him. There's never been one extra flash bulb brought on post game by him saying Tim Duncan doing is anything. LSV. Tim Duncan is LSV. Yeah. LeBron is some version of me that can actually play the game. <laughs> Mike both, Long without cheating. Both from Cleveland. <laughs> um well I, I would I would say this, right? You it's no accident that they were able to develop Ginobili, Parker, 
and now Leonard, who are tra- insane players. I mean, like, uh, it's clear, first like they're clear, it's with clear, no picks. Like it's, it's not clear that the draft is winnable with late round first picks and even second round picks. It's clear that there's players, there's value to be yeah, had. Yeah, of course. You never know before the hand, yeah. beforehand. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you can just look at the reasonable job the Knicks have done drafting with, you know, never having a first-round pick <laughs> ever. You could look at Cleveland's insane ability to get first pick. <laughs> we had LeBron James, Joe Smith, and now Ir- Irving's really good, too. Yeah, he's good. I didn't put him in my top favorite players, though. So I, I, I love Booby Bowie Gibson from that game in 2007. It's always going to be my favorite game of basketball I've ever watched. Um, and uh, so here's the thing. So I, I put down my favorite. My I didn't put Timmy on my list, even though I think he's the greatest power forward of all time, more or less. So I put Kevin Love instead. So tell me tell me what your impression of this is. My fifth player is Booby Gibson, but I didn't write it down yet. At the point that I've written my fourth player down, these are the players. Manu Ginobili. Anderson Verjao, Kevin Love, <laughs> Tony Parker. What have I just done? Argentinian, Brazilian, <laughs> French guy, white guy in Minnesota. <laughs> I've just picked four of my allegedly five favorite <laughs> NBA players. There's not an African-American on the list yet. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. There is something wrong with me. <laughs> and my alternate is Nash. <laughs> So, like, uh, something isn't right. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Those are all great players, right? I mean, arguably they're all players that have had to, like, push themselves harder to stand out and work harder. I I actually think, for me, the vector is every single one of those players is underappreciated. Sure. Like, if you ask, like, you ask, like, a top statistician, you say, what do you think of Anderson Verja? He's like, he's insane. He's a super good basketball player. You ask the average person, of course LeBron left. His next best player was Anderson Verja? Yeah, his next best player was just consistently the best center in the league, other than, I mean, in the East other than Dwight Howard for the last five years. I agree. That sucks. And he was willing to come off the bench. Like, say, you know, the, you know, the same Harden-Ginobili thing. You're like, you know, like, yeah, and he played off the bench. Somehow they convinced him that playing off the bench would be better. And if you looked at the stats, he just had the best plus-minus. Coming off the bench and not actually playing on the floor with LeBron. But you're right. Yeah, he was, I could totally see how LeBron would leave with that guy as his second best player. Like, Manu Ginobili. Yeah, he's not very good. He doesn't even start. Freaking meta world peace. I don't apologize. I don't apologize. What do you say to replacements or whatever? Because he like elbowed Harden in the head for a concussion. And they're like, are you gonna apologize? He's like, no, I don't. I don't apologize. To, well, he, he's worse than replacements. Like, like sub. Do you know what he said to a female reporter the other what? night? So, 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 some woman's like, so how, why do you, how do you respond to reports that you're in the worst shape of your playing career? <laughs> yeah. He said, I would show you my abs, but you would leave your husband. <laughs> I mean, high five, high five. That's a good answer. It's a good answer. No, but seriously, like, it was just the most condescending where, where, where's, BS. Where's, where's Dwight Howard going to end up? Next year? Next year. Is he going to stay in Orlando? I mean... I mean, I know that contractually is, obligated. I, you know what this smells like to me? Amari Stoudemire. What do you mean? Amari Stoudemire in 2000. I wanted Amari Stoudemire in 2008 when the Cavs said that we could have just moved freaking Wally World for him and the... The Suns would have spit him up for free. Look, they got, you guys just got him for nothing, right? Because right, right. they couldn't afford him, right? Nothing. I mean, 
for no yeah, player yeah, assets, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So, like, we had a free Wally World. He was worth $13 million in deferred salary. But we just didn't move him. I'm like, sitting there at trade deadline in 2008, and, like, they could have Stoudemire. They could have just taken Shaq then if they wanted right. to, right? There was, like, I really wanted Marcus Camby. I'm like, any of these. I've always loved Camby. Camby would have been insane on that cast. They would have won two titles probably if they got Camby. Any of those three guys. And freaking Shaq was an all-star that year, right? I'm like, Amari Sotomayor in 2008, he was NBA first team. Yeah. I mean, and the thing was, like, right after they, that trade didn't happen, he hurt his eye. He's like, well, all these other injuries. And the thing is, you put wear and tear on these big guys. Even LeBron was saying, he can't play power forward. He's used to playing on the wing. Right. He's getting his, I mean, he, he's like the physical bomb diggity of the NBA. And he's, he can't keep up with the Pacers' bigs. It's like, these guys, him, Chandler, Amare, they just get beat up under there, right? Yeah. And I mean, you see Chandler. Chandler played this whole season just beat the crap. I mean, like, and I, I, I was I, I was talking to Daniel O'Mess about this last night. I'm like, you know, I I was pretty much glued to the to the to the Clips game the other night. I watched, you know, start to finish. I'm like, my wife changed the channel for like two minutes. And I went to sleep. Um, and I was like, you know, Blake was doing the Blake thing. He was thundering down dunks. Game was super close for the whole first half. Then the whole second half just sat there taking like mid range jumpers while they sat Chris Paul. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? He's like, he's hurt. I'm like. Like, it's like it's not fair. The Spurs don't even have to play Duncan because <laughs> because Blake's hurt. And and I'm like, really? He's like, Paul's hurt. He's got a groin injury. Blake's hurt. They're gonna try to make a go of it, but nobody's gonna beat this team even if they were healthy. And and like I'm just thinking about this. And I'm like, Amari Sotomayor in 2008 was one of the best players in the NBA. And look at him now. I mean, like I was a huge Amari Sotomayor yeah. fan. And yeah, I've been so critical of him when I'm talking to you that he doesn't. He puts up a ton of points because he blindly throws up a ton of shots. He's not, he's not getting any rebounds. He doesn't play any defense. Yeah, he's he's clearly he's clearly lost, clearly lost stuff. I mean, he looked he looked very good in those couple playoff games. Yeah, but I mean, like, but it's same thing. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if Howard's window is. No, well, that's that's the thing I, I, I I'm asking. Yeah, like, I'm curious. I mean, I don't. I honestly. A few months ago, I'm like, oh, and you certainly see, and you, also, and you also see, when you just look at Lamar Odom. There's some point where you just fall off a cliff. You, well, you fall off a cliff mentally too. Like people don't like you anymore. Like so many of these guys have fed their entire careers from like, from like junior high school, from middle school age, have fed off of being beloved yeah. for their physical gifts, right? And somehow. Transpose on that that they're good people and that they're no, do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. This entire, Believe me, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's yeah, this is entire thing that happens, and then when suddenly they turn around and you saw it last year with LeBron, right? Where LeBron, oh, maybe, I mean, yeah, like, where LeBron for the first time in his career was the bad guy, right? And it clearly affected the way he played yeah, basketball. It's interesting. And I, Lamar Odom clearly just psychologically could not handle. Anything that happened to him this year. So the thing with I may Le- never. I don't know if he'll ever play basketball again. Like LeBron has had this year. LeBron had the best year of his career, which is an amazing career. But I was looking at the stats because you know I think Brooke North on our list said, "Oh well, LeBron's just the best player." And I looked last year's stats. He was the fourth best player in the NBA. Like people's like, "Oh, it's LeBron. He's great." He had a worse season than Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, and Kevin freaking Love. Sure. Like and people, it's just gloss over because he gets to play with players of the caliber of Dwayne Wade. They win a lot of games. Sure. So, but, but I mean, they, they also lost a fair amount of games. Last year. Sure. And I think I think a lot of that was due to that psychological 
Uh, I, like, I totally... Like, what? I'm not beloved? People are burning my jersey? What? I, I This is what I think. So in terms of which teams get a bias, I actually, I could totally see it now. The decision is one of the best things that ever happened in the NBA. Ratings went through the roof. Finals were exciting last year. I could actually see, I never believed this before when he was in Cleveland. I think that the league could let LeBron get to the finals, get really deep every year, and he just never sees a, a title until like maybe the way in. Because there's just so much good drama to be had hating LeBron and him <laughs> not winning. We're like, I mean, I, I just, I, I glory in the loss that they took. I mean, nothing makes me happier than watching that game. And it was like, I'm like, I get to watch like a super tight game. I'm like, there's two minutes left. Indiana's got a chance. LeBron misses those free throws. Wade missed the layup. I mean, like, I mean, when Granger fouled out, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. He's kind of their best player. But like, <laughs> then, you know, it was a super tight game, like two points, whatever. I'm like this, and now I get to watch the Spurs. Like, I mean, when's Moto going to come up? Because I have too much free time, apparently. Uh, tonight. Tonight? I was, we can, you can go home play in the employee pre-release. Yeah, I got that email. But so there's there's a... It's, yeah, you, have, you should have all your cards in your account. sick. I mean, I've been, like, no Moto for weeks. Yeah. What am I going to do, play old standard? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to build my cameo deck tonight. Anyway. Or um, cameo for Gideon. <laughs> What if it's a green deck with Tamio and Gideon? It might be. Ramp- and then you can play your Noxious Revivals. Um, so, anywho. I have to, you know what we haven't talked about? What? Avengers. Loves it. You did love it, right? What number do you put it on on all-time comic book movies? One or two? Um, joint one. Joint one? I have it at with, firm with, two. Firm two. You have Dark Knight ahead of it? Yeah. Yeah. It's the two... So I, I can't... It's it's like a it's like an economics education and a liberal arts education. Like they're they're they're, they're two completely different tracks. Like I can't. Speaking of an I economics education, I'm depressed for Dark Knight Three because they're not going to be able to make these numbers up, right? Are they? Wait. So I did mean, you do you know there's there's two Easter eggs at the end? I left after the Thanos Easter egg. Oh, I, no, I didn't go anywhere. So what's the second Easter egg? I didn't see it. Really? Yeah, I didn't really. Didn't. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. You're going to keep listening. Blah, blah, blah. Say blah, blah, blah. Just earmuffs for a little bit. Earmuffs for 30 seconds. So at the end of it, it's just a silent scene with them in the shawarma place. Yeah. All just like kind of like Uh, slumped over chairs, just eating shawarma. Going like, oh. That was good shawarma. Good shawarma, yeah. So, I mean, like, is was Thor in the scene? Yes. He'd already left, though. Everyone, it doesn't matter. It was just like a little Easter egg scene. Are you kidding me? It was so good. Thor doesn't get to go see Princess Amidala before he goes. That sucks. At the end of the Thor movie, he was so sad he was never going to see her. He's back on the freaking planet Earth. He doesn't get to visit for a minute. Like, yeah. Wait, so Thanos is a trailer for Thor 2, right? Which is coming out in a few months. I guess so. Well, people think that it's for Avengers 2. I think it's for Thor 2 because that's the next movie that's lined up. Maybe. I mean, it could also be for Avengers, right? It's just uh, Infinity Gauntlet, right? Or whatever the hell that was. I mean, if he doesn't have the Infinity Gauntlet, I don't see how he's going to beat the whole Avengers team. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Thanos versus Thor is a fight, I guess. Like... Oh, that movie was so good. Who's your favorite Avenger? It was, it was cl- So, my favorite character in the movie was clearly the Hulk. Same. Like, they did such an amazing job with he it. He was amazing. Ruffalo was great as Bruce Banner. They made the I mean, Hulk actually Hulk's look like Ruffalo. Hulk's my favorite character anyway. But but my favorite Avenger is Captain America. I love yeah. Cap. I love Cap. I mean, he's like, to me, he was like eyes tearing, just 
Lovely. So my kids both ended up liking Widow the best. Uh, Clark also liked she, Hawkeye. She was great. Yeah. She was great. So it was like, because Bella's favorite. First movie she's been good in in a freaking long time. Bella's favorite overall character is like basically, she likes Batman and Iron Man both. She looks, they're basically the same character to her. Like, sure. rich guy, does stuff with technology, yeah, real yeah. smart. You know, obviously they've taken a different route. Like, you know, Bruce is a high school dropout and Tony is a MIT PhD. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, but more or less very, very similar to characters. So he's a. Basically, her, I think he might be her favorite character. I was surprised that she liked Widow the best. And um, both of them were like, they have, kind of, they have constrained resources. You know, like, like this guy, like, if, he, if you get in his way, he just hits you with his hammer that can smash down a building, you know? Like, it's way more, he, like, Clark's like, no, the best is, like, when Hawkeye shot that arrow at Loki, and then Loki caught it, and he thought he won, then it blew up. He's like, he's an idiot. <laughs> like, he loved it. And the, uh, Clark's second favorite character was Loki. He's like, I was cheering for Loki. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, Loki did awful stuff. I don't can't believe they just let him go. Let him go. Well, they didn't let him Asgard. go. They brought him to Asgard. I mean, they brought him to a trial in Asgard. What are you do? Put him in a cave with maybe yeah. an asp dripping yeah. poison yeah, on it. They'll do something to him. Something particularly Norse. Yeah. But um, uh, no, I, I I was shocked at how and so my wife went to see it with me. Yeah. She really wanted to see it, and uh, I was like, oh, you know, if you don't want to see it, I'll go see it. No, she's like, no. We're going to see it. I'm like, okay. And, uh, you know, she'd really like Captain America. And she'd really like the Iron Man movies. Yep. Uh, she hadn't seen Thor because she thought, you know, stupid. I love Thor. I know, but she just thought, she just was like, I'm not going to see something called Thor. Okay. Like, when we saw Captain America, and at the end, I was like, <gasps> my shoulder. Yeah. You know, she was like, ew. You know, it was just like yeah. goofy to her. So she never saw Thor, uh, but she loved Cap. She loved Iron Man. She was... and. I, she was having, she had such a great time with the movie. I, you know, like, piss your pants laughter, yeah. you know, just er, everything. You know, so just, my wife saw the movie with me and the kids, too, and opposite reaction. She, like, deigned to see the movie. She actually, she saw Iron Man in the theaters. I don't think she saw the other one. Maybe she saw Hulk as well. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think she saw Captain she America or, or Thor. Um, but she was just like, I would have liked, she's like, I liked it, it was a good movie, but I would have rather seen it on the small screen. That's what she said. She's like, it's too much. Like, all these characters well, flying you around. Miss, you miss a lot. Well, she's asking me stuff. She's like, who's this character? What do they do? Right, you know, right, like, right. She, she doesn't know the comic characters and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, you, you actually miss a lot. I mean, do you, did you hear what? So the, the You great... know, Kobe has a 12, she has a 12 picture deal. I know, I know. You told me that. Yeah, right? so. The, you know, the scene with the Hulk and Thor. I mean, the Hulk and uh, Loki. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. Do you know? Do you know what the Hulk says at the end of that? What? You didn't. No, no, no. Yeah, he says something, and you miss it. What Puny God. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. And like all of like, there's all these throwaway Iron Man lines that you also miss. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna rewatch it. Right. Again. He's like pucker up Legolas. Oh, <laughs> when I saw he grabs that. Yeah. Hulk, you know, Hawkeye. And I mean, the best scene is probably Hulk and Thor, though. <laughs> yeah. Um. This, these are the things oh, that's I, the one. That's these are the things I thought would have been improvements to the, to the movie small improvements so you, you see this scene where Hulk is trying to pick up Mjolnir and he can't right I think a small improvement would have been if they're in some sort of desperate situation and Cap actually picks up Mjolnir and tosses it to to, uh, to Thor or something that would have been because like, like it's a, kind of a testament to Cap because Cap's actually strong enough to pick up Mjolnir and pure enough to pick up Mjolnir he's picked it up in multiple occasions in the comic book story yeah. so um, <clears throat> so like, that would have been an interesting... You could save that for our Avengers, too, though. Yeah, like, it's like something like that. There's like, it's a small thing where, like... Because the audience who might not know certain things about Captain America would be like, oh, whoa. Captain, he, was, he was so good. I mean, like, you haven't read it... So, most of the, the Marvel movies are actually based Ultimates. on Ultimates, yeah. right? So, um, there are, like, some... Um, 
there are like some amazing stuff that Mark Miller's done in Ultimates and Ultimate Avengers. So like um, Cap against Red Skull in Ultimate Avengers, like they can't beat him. He's too good. He's like he's like Super Soldier Serum and stuff. And so uh, like Cap and Hawkeye figure this thing is like, well, we can't beat him like regular. So I'm actually gonna just jam a fighter plane into him. And like and like. Um, because we can't beat him in a fight. Like, he's as good as us, whatever. He's got, like, a cosmic cube or something. You know, whatever he is. He's, like, so hard to beat. He's like, we're just going to run a... We're going to run a, a fighter plane into him. And, like, Hawkeye's like, well, how's that going to work? He's like, it'll be fine. Because you never miss and I never lose. <laughs> they ran a fighter plane in Red Skull. He's like, he's got a freaking fighter plane stuck to him. But the absolute best is... Um, this the the second Ultimate Avengers is like um, Avengers versus vampires, and so like all these heroes go down, the vampires get him, and then like Cap's like you you can't do that, blah blah blah, and so the vampires turn Cap and he becomes a vampire. They're like oh, oh so it's a Baron Blood storyline. Um, did, did, does that happen in the was, was Baron Blood the no no it's just oh. some random vampire. The be- the best Cap story of all, the best Cap run was the John Byrne run on Captain America. Yeah. And he did with Baron Blood. and. But then uh, Super Soldier Serum gets him out of it. Ca- I, I don't even remember now. I was a, year, I was a kid. Yeah. Captain Britain, was, or whatever, Union Jack, whatever yeah. he was called. It was Captain Britain because he was called Union Jack in the Paul, in the Paul Grist comic. No, no. He's called Jack Staff in the Paul Jack. Grist comic. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But then they retell that story in the Jack Staff comic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a good comic. Yeah. So anyway, so it's so like, yeah, yeah, Super Soldier Serum cures me of vampirism, right? So, But they're still screwed, right? So... Um, there's like all vampires are like converging on the Triskelion and like the vampire's gonna take over New York so Cap picks up Thor's hammer and teleports the entire like chunk of the city that they're in to Iran where it happens to be daytime and then they just torture all the vampires that way they're like oh did you have to send us to Iran he's like well that's where it's daytime but he like Thor hammered them to day I mean, that's, that's, that's it's awesome. like so sick yeah. right like um so uh but the Bella's just, she was dissatisfied. She's like, because that's the same ending as X-Men against vampires. Like, oh, the vampires turned Wolverine. And he's like, ha-ha, healing factor. It's like, it's the exact same ending. Like, like well, he Thor-hammered them. That was awesome. She's like, yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, Wolverine was on behind enemy lines. They thought he was a vampire, but it said he cut them to ribbons. Same thing, you know? Oh, sorry if you haven't read Avengers vs. Vampires or X-Men vs. Vampires. Yes. They were good. But, yeah, like, I think... Uh, but you know, my favorite thing in, of uh, Mark Miller Hawkeye, when, like, he's all tied up, like, the bad guys have him. They're, like, trying to question him. It's, like, that widow scene. They're, like, walk away for a second. They're, like, what did you do? You walked away? And he's, like, you guys are all dead. And they've been, like, beating up Hawkeye in the chair forever. But he had torn off his fingernails. And <laughs> he, like, bullseye Deadpools all of them with his fingernails to death. <laughs> he's, like, bah, bah, bah. he's, like, like uh, don't walk away from Hawkeye. <laughs> Awesome. That's awesome, right? Yeah. So he, he was really good. Brenner. Brenner. Yeah. I, I I liked. He's like in every action franchise now. Yeah. Like he's Mission be, Impossible. He's in Mission Impossible. He's gonna be in the new Bourne movies. Yep. And he's in Avengers. What? It's just like uh, Damon got too fat. What happened? I, Damon like he look, loses forty pounds for the Bourne movies because like he walks on to on to set first and they're like Damon, you are fat. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, I can just do some so setup. I show you my bank account, your wife would leave you. <laughs> <laughs> All true. He has an Oscar, too. Um, He's turned out to be an awesome actor. I like Damon. I like Affleck. Affleck's turned out to be an amazing director. He's actually just turned out to be an amazing Oh, that new movie that he has coming out looks so exciting. Where they make a fake science fiction movie to get people out from under terrorist lines. I don't even... even It's based on a true story, apparently. Yeah, I haven't even seen anything about it. I just... I mean, the town, I I love it. I cannot turn off the town 
or I mean, Gone Baby Gone has just got some of the most harrowing scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, like all the scenes in the child molester's house, or just the scene where they go into some like bucket of blood bar in the middle of Charleston, Boston. Well, you realize that those guys won an Oscar when they were like twelve. They might develop from there. <laughs> uh, I mean, the rumor's always been that Kevin Smith actually wrote that movie and not them. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Why is it so much better than his other movies then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so he ghostwrote one that was way better than the ones he actually wrote. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been a persistent rumor. I, I don't know. Have you read Lock and Key yet? No, the I The illustrator of Lock and Key retweeted me yesterday. I saw, I saw you talking about it. So good. Oh, my God. Like, I... I, don't, I, I, I haven't... I haven't loved a comic as much as I love Lock and Key since when Preacher and Starman were coming out the same Wednesday. I that was, like, just, I just 20 years scalped. ago. I just I don't read that one. Um, I just read the first trade trade of it. It's good. It's fantastic. Do you like Chew? And people love it. I haven't read Chew. I don't. I don't really don't read that much. All right. So these are the ones you should go read on Comicology. Chew. It's cheap. It's always on sale. Like yeah, yeah. super on sale. It's gonna be a TV show, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's coming out. Of Lock and Key show. didn't get out of the didn't get out of pilot season. Yeah, and and the guy who's gonna be in it is probably dead. Oh. Um, that guy Nick Stahl who was in Terminator Three. I don't know who he is. He's an actor. He's in Terminator 3. He's he was dead. supposed to be in Lock and Key. And then the he was in the pilot. It didn't get picked up. And then he wandered off. He was like, he's obviously had drug problems yeah. also. And he just wandered off into some terrible neighborhood on his wife and then hasn't been seen since. Really? Yeah. Wow. He's just assumed that he's dead or, you know. So. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Lock and Key is insane. American Vampire. I like it. I've read the first trade of that. I love that. Yeah, hey, it's really it's, good. Um, what's the guy's name who writes that? Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. He also yeah, writes totally like good. Swamp Thing and Batman. Yeah. Batman's very good too. But I mean, like American Vampire is the first. The first volume of that's terrific. It's and the art's gorgeous. Yeah, 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 that's who he has drawing Batman right now. Raphael Albuquerque. Okay. Why are all the awesome artists like Spanish, Portuguese, South because American? They learned how to draw instead of just learning how to copy comic book art. Like every single, every single awesome art. Like most, the problem is most people who want to do comic book art who are Americans. Yeah. They just copy other comic book artists, and there's a degradation in drawing skills as it just like, like you know, just as you copy, copy, so, copy, copy, and they never learn the fundamental underpinnings of drawing, and so they know how to make comic books, but they don't know how to draw. So, Gabriel, the guy who draws Lock and Key, you can watch from the beginning. Like, when he first starts drawing it, I didn't particularly like his art. I just thought it was just like, uh, he kind of draws, like, Ed McGinnis. You know, like, and I don't even, I mean, a lot of people really like Ed McGinnis, but I'm like, eh. I like Ed McGinnis, okay. He's okay. He's like, okay. That's how I feel. He's like, yeah. if you like that cartoony style, I guess I love, Ed McGinnis. I love cartoony style. I guess Ed McGinnis is the top of the pile if you like the cartoony I just, style. That's, I, just had, I just had Amanda Connor yeah? do a card for my new game. I've seen your art for your new game. Have you seen my Amanda Connor art? I don't know. You showed me a lot of art. Steve Ellis. Yeah, Steve Ellis done a lot. So. But Amanda Connor. I thought you said you were going to let me draw a backpack or something. I'll let you draw a backpack. So, anyway. Anyway, so, um, you can see the transformation over the course of, like, the, the first four lock and key volumes. From him being, like, this guy who I didn't particularly like to just the Stone Blade A+. He's unbelievable. He can draw, like... Everything from, like, Ed McGinnis to Bill Watterson, and, like, convincingly. But you ain't got a musical I, I don't.
Can you drop box from here? Yeah. From the street corner? It's pretty sick. Yeah. You know, I was actually reading some... Not just ridiculous? You don't think that's just bonkers? Yeah, it's good. You're crazy. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Do you think you just, like, might have a slight Amanda Connor bias plus one? Yes. <laughs> just check it. I do. I understand. It's good. Oh, I like that. Who did that one? Uh, that's Dan Panosian. Yeah, I like it. There is a... Yeah. Oh. I like that one. Who did that one? That's Lee Motor. I you love know, Lee Motor. Yeah, I got, I've got like eight Lee Motor pieces. Yeah, yeah, this thing is like most people don't even know who Lee Motor is. He's like their Anderson Verge. <laughs> this is all Lee Motor. I like Lee Motor. He was drawing Legion of Superheroes when I started. Oh, I like the storytelling there. You have a lot of storytelling on your cards, huh? Yeah. I did the whole... I did the whole story. It's going to be insane. Yeah? It's exciting. Yeah. So, um... Have you started watching Young Justice yet? I haven't. You don't see enough it. posts on my Facebook wall and tweets know, to me that are like, thank you so much for telling me to watch Young Justice on your I podcast. Know, I know, I know, I need to watch I it. I actually think I've upgraded it from just the best action cartoon of all time to the best show on you television. No, I might see it though. It was, so I watched a lot of movies on the plane. I had like, Catherine asked me if I wanted to see Chronicle or The Grey this weekend. I said The Grey. I, I, have, I saw like eight movies flying to and fro Barcelona. From Spain, yeah. Because I was on a terrible United flight. Uh, like a 757 to go eight hours to Barcelona. It was miserable. Say it right. Barcelona. 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 Um, so I saw, yeah, I saw Chronicle, Contraband. <laughs> Contraband was pretty good. Shut up. Like, it's not like, it's not art, but it was like, it was a fun. What's your rating on Haywire? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Contraband, you haven't seen Haywire. Haywire. If Haywire had been available, I would have seen it in a heartbeat. Okay. I want to see Haywire, but Catherine doesn't have a good enough rotten tomatoes ready. She's like, I won't pay the three dollars for this. Like when it comes when it comes on HBO, you can watch Haywire. Uh, yeah, Contraband Contraband was fine. It was a perfectly serviceable, like Yeah, whatever. Action I know, understand faster and furious or whatever. One and a half stars. Got yeah. it. Um watch the Muppet movie. I heard you had something in your eye. I cried again. like a baby. Really? I'm just sitting there on a crowded plane. I'm just like sitting there just She's like 39, children. you know? that I would never believe Who's that? Amy Adams? Adams. Yeah. So, it was she so... Was, you know what her breakout film was? Let's oh, go. Cool. I think there's seating. Cruel Intentions 2. <laughs> she, when she was young, she looked like Buffy. Right. I could see that. It was... We'll get some traffic noise in. Yeah. All right. Oh, this is better. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the movie was perfect. It was so. It was so. There's just. There's just a scene. Have you seen it? Yeah. The, the scene, I own it. The scene where they go into uh, Kermit's mansion and he's like, "Nope, sorry, I can't help you," and they just start like reciting the opening lines of the Muppet Show song, and I'm just like, I was done. I didn't really like the Muppet Show when I was a kid. Right. Yeah, well, to me, it was a show that came on, on when you were a kid. It was. It? it was on before Different Strokes, and I really liked Different Strokes. I always wanted Different Strokes to come on. I only liked it when like when like Mark Hamill was on it. Yeah. I really liked it when Mark Hamill was. You've on always it. been a jackass. I don't like things people like. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. So you like the Muppet Show, but you, you love Different Strokes. No one liked that. <laughs> I only like Anders and Verajow. I don't like Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Understand? I understand. I've really not liked Kobe Bryant for years. 
you like me to talk more about how I toy go Pride? No, it's fine. There's plenty of that going on right now on ESPN. It was kind of crazy. So, I mean, are people coming around to my way of thinking after 20 years? They or? certainly are. On The only person they seem to talk about it about, though, is Kobe. Yeah. Like, what? How many shots did he take? How many points did he get? I'm like, they never talk about this. <laughs> like, ever. How many t-shirts did he sell? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Kobe's obviously a very talented player. I mean, she's just like, he's just not anywhere near on the level of a player like Tim Duncan, you know? And I, the thing that's sad is, like, Tim Duncan's just this amazing player of, the gen, player of his generation. So the fact that he actually had a shooting guard that was better than Kobe Bryant on his team while he was winning his titles was overshadowed. Like, I, I perfectly like a lot of shooting guards. James Harden, Dwayne Wade, Ginobili, obviously. Because um, they're very good. What are, what, are your, than, what are your predictions for the finals? You have you have Heat Spurs. Heat Spurs. I, I think the I think the Thunder matchup is going to be roughish. Pacers Thunder would be pretty sweet. Well, wouldn't? And Spurs aren't in that final. You picked the Spurs thing. You're the one who said me on the Spurs. I mean, I, 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 Spurs I, is my second favorite team forever. So. I, I really I really like the Thunder. But I think the Thunder's got a they've got they've got, they've a, got, they've got, they've got a lot got, of yeah, years yeah. of titles coming coming to them. I mean, I think it's like. The Spurs are. Would, would people you, are talking about the Thunder is like the baby Spurs. Yeah, I mean, could you, could you look at, could you look at a team like them? Like, they start with K, KD, right? And then they misdraft Westbrook, fine. But then that's their team. Them, like, and then they're good. They're starting to get good. They get, you know, got a good big man. And then Harden blossoming over the last few years. He's like an unstoppable force at shooting guard. Like, he's. He's everything Kobe wishes he were. It's like, like Byron Davis passed the power of the beard down. Do you see the cartoon that has Harden over the course of like his career? Like next year, he's just gonna look like Mr. T. <laughs> um, but like, you know, like who, who could have? I, I don't think that the baby Spurs. I, I don't think that's fair. I, I think that people who think about them as being a great uh, back office organization is a little misguided. I mean, like I said, Tim Duncan, first pick. No top 20 picks in the last 20 years or something. Sure, sure. By, by contrast, they built their team on first pick, fourth pick. They could have had Kevin Love, by the way, well, who was significantly had, better than Russell Westbrook. They play different positions. Aren't they both power forwards? I mean, I mean Durant's a small forward. and I mean, I think of him as small. He's 6'10", but he's like, he's like LeBron. Okay. LeBron. LeBron is the body of a power forward, but he doesn't. He plays like point guard. Sure. I mean, like, he, he, God forbid he should ever be in the, in the key. He might get hit. <laughs> um, I mean, like you, th- you think of you think of Durant as a power forward. It's like a cutter. I guess. I, I think he plays basically the same game as LeBron. Slightly less, slightly less efficient. Um, I mean, he's very, he's a top five player. He's obviously very good. Like, but I feel like there's some podcast where I was praising the Durantula like two years ago, and you were like. Soft. I said he was soft. He said, shut up. I said he was soft. He said, shut up. He's you good. grave trolled me on him. I mean, it's been two years. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, let's see. And then, like, they could have had Kevin Love. They could just make Kevin Love play center. doesn't matter. He plays like Dirk anyway. <laughs> He's at the top of the key. At center, I'm going to play at the top of the key. <laughs> From here, I don't have to play defense. <laughs> I will still obtain 20 rebounds. <laughs> um, I mean... <clears throat> Just the best rebounder on the planet, uh, and then you know, Harden. Now, I mean, like the, that team was built on insane picks. I mean, granted, they made very good picks. 
Sure. And I'm thinking Odin, right? They didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. Odin no, went before him. Yeah. Oh man. How does Portland stay relevant with all of the all their bad fortune? They keep keep yeah, staying relevant though. Yeah. I don't know. It's so much sad. Odin could have been a good player, right? Yeah, I mean that, that seems like that just kind of bad. It's well, not like it's not like Ryan Leaf, you know. I, uh, I, I remember after after the Cavs lost. How many? All right. What would you say the over-under is on the number of people? So we're standing in the uh, West Village. We're on the corner of Waverly and Gay Street. Yeah. Right? How many people how have walked many, by in a tuxedo? Touristas have stopped and taken a picture under the Gay Street sign? Oh, I don't know. In the last 15 minutes, <laughs> 20. <laughs> so. Like, look, it says Gay Street. Let's take a picture. So, anyway, what does it say? It's like you're gay. After, after the Cavs lost... Uh, Brad Doherty to like Vertigo and they draft we could just steal people's bags we could make like a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament out of this and they put their like backpacks <laughs> down on the street corner so they could walk and get a better angle on their picture of their wife under the gay street sign we could just steal their knapsacks listen to me for a second I'm gonna say something other than gay street <laughs> um we're now climbing the gay street <laughs> sign right. so anyway um <laughs> Yeah, they draft, they, that European accent you hear in the speaks, background is someone saying Gay Street in European. Speaking of European, they drafted Zydrunas Logowskis, and he played like <laughs> he played like no games for the first three years job. on account of having horrible feet that are all made of all made of metal now, right? And people are like, you know, some people are just not built for pro ball. He's too injury prone. He ended up being a three-time All-Star. You know, like he didn't play any of his first three. How many years has Odin had to, to play some games? It's about, it's about three years, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like very, uh, not very, sorry. Uh, yeah, Elgasco's played like no games for three years and he ended up a three time All Star. Sure. So. I don't know, Odin could still end up somewhere for sure, but I mean, I think. I mean, like, who else is playing center in the East? I could have been a three time All Star. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess they had Ben Wallace. That's pretty good. Ah, ben Wallace. Well, there's another Cav for 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about magic. It's been an hour since we talked about magic last. Is it really? Yes. That's not good. <laughs> Some people are probably still listening. They're like, no, maybe they'll talk no, about magic. Not. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't have anything to say about magic. I want to play some moto, though. Yeah. Play tonight. I'll probably, I'll probably play in the place of that time. Yeah. When is that? 11.30. P.M.? Yeah. I'm not going to play it. It's like 8.30 Pacific time. Yeah. So, um, so, what do you think of the the fire truck? Yeah. That's for you, Reese Perry. So it's funny. I was twittering with Reese Perry on the bus yesterday. I was going into the city, yeah. and he made some comment about something. And I talked back to him, and then some woman sitting down next to me, and she was talking to me, and she was uh, she mentioned that she was from Australia, and she mentioned she was from Perth. Yeah. That's I was like, oh, it's funny. I'm talking to someone from Perth. Yeah. On Twitter, I think he's from Perth. Anyway. So, uh, it turns out she's like some really famous Australian jazz singer. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. I don't know. She's but it made famous me, in Australia. She's famous in Australia. Maybe Reese But it made me, think of, made me think of Reese Perry. That's all. So you said that. All right. So, any closing thoughts? Uh, John Finkel's the best magic player in the world. I don't think that's very... I mean, would you have said that, uh, would you have said that consistently over the last two years? 
I mean, you would have given it to PV or LSV, right? I would. I think LSV. I mean, LSV was averaging an eleventh place finish at that point, right? What's What's John averaging the last three pro I have tours? To check. It's pretty insane. Although you know who's also really insane and like is really John's crazy? bad finish was a top sixteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's his well, bad finish. So Shadi Yasoka. Yeah. This guy needs to learn how to draft. I mean, he needs to learn how to draft. I'm not what's your joking. opinion of Patrick Chapin's limited game? Because Gisela deck aside, he has like a ninety percent win rating in, in yeah, constructed. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. <laughs> like, it's actually eighty percent, but that's okay. Yeah, it's whatever insane yeah, percentage. Yeah, yeah, still an insane percentage. You don't like, you don't 60, need to add it from insane to like, six, infinity insane. Sixty-six percent is usually like two top eights in a yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah, he's eighty percent in constructed. He said, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think eighty percent in standard it, specifically. Oh, Specifically standard. Not, not, not other. It, it, it goes down as you add other formats in, but I believe standard is 80%. So, but regardless, he's a very good... I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. His construction... Obviously, obviously one of the best constructed players of all time. So, but he, as, he but, needs to draft. Yeah, so, but yes, okay. Top 16 in this event. I think he went 9-1 and one with his standard die, with his block deck or whatever. Yeah. Top 16 in, in Hawaii. Top 16 in Nagoya. Um... I think he's like 38th and 29th in the two events, in the other two I mean, isn't events. Isn't that just bad luck? No, no, it's not bad luck. It is bad drafting. Like it's just bad drafting. Did you just flip a coin and you're in the top eight? Like <laughs> seriously? You learned you 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 have guys some... who are in 12th place. They have the same score as guys who are in eighth place. Sure, this is but. People are better. Highly skilled players are better at constructed than limited. Like, it's a fact. When you go two and four or three and three in draft against the best players in the world. The best players in the world. So but let's let me just put this a different way. It's day one of the pro tour. But you went X and one and so, constructed. Yeah, it went. Who do you think you're playing against at the draft table? I understand that, but what I'm saying is there's there's clearly some room for improvement. For improvement. Yeah, John Finkel has room for improvement. He could do things like block the wolf. Not give away free games. He didn't give away a free game. and He said it was a stupid way to win. What, if he had won that way? Yeah, he said it's a stupid way to win. He he doesn't play for the money anymore, so... I mean, he's there representing his charity, Gamers Helping Gamers, and he's going to be like, sorry, gamer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So did did he ship all the money he won? I don't know. I, th- I think he said he ships half. I don't, oh, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's very generous, yeah. right? I mean, whatever. He ships some percentage. It's not like Go needs. needs the money either. Yeah. None of these guys need the money. Now, Go go would trade all the money for four extra pro points. Do you I'm know sure. why? Because he doesn't need the money. Yeah. Needs four extra pro points, though. Payne, on the other hand, transformed the money into more layabout in Europe, right? <laughs> that's what I heard. Oh, I think he was, I think, wasn't he cruising back? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. More laying about. Yeah. KYT says he's uh, he's like a vagabond. That's cool. I mean, KYT has seems to be a little intense about like Canada. What? Well, oh, no, not just about Canada, but just like in terms of he's like, I'm really worried that he's going to take time off from his studies now, and it's like, well, you know what? KYT is so enthusiastic about Hain. I know, but it's like, guys. but it's like if Hain has an opportunity to take a year off from school and make a hundred thousand dollars playing Magic over two years. Between writing about that, I mean, sorry, KYT, you probably won't be writing about magic for you, but. Don't say that. I mean, Hayne was offered deals similar to other monolithic one time deals that you might be aware of, and he chose to stay with Man of the Prize. Sure, but if he writes for somewhere on an ongoing I have basis. I discussed this with KYT. I think that you might 
be surprised okay. at the loyalty of Hayne and other Canadians to KYT. I, I wouldn't be surprised. He created the culture that produced them. Without him, they would not have had the bedrock that they... they sure. And I think that they all acknowledge that. Sure, but it's difficult to leave a certain amount of money on the table at some point. Well, their finances are not my... Sure, but at Not some point, decision. at some point, there's, you know, an amount of money that helps you continue to play Magic on an ongoing basis that's on the table, and whether or not I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying anything taking away anything from KYT. I'm just saying that, like, unless you're one of like a handful of core sites that make that kind of money, you're not going to be able to pay them that, right? Why are you shaking your head? Okay. Another time. Sure. All right. On that note, that will probably get cut out of the podcast if I remember. <laughs> I'm Brian David Marshall. Yeah, I'll help you out. Fuckity fuck fuck. <laughs> now you have to take it out. <laughs> or not. I'll forget. <laughs> I'm Brian David Marshall. And I am... Uh, also Brian David Marshall. <laughs> Ricky Hayashi. All right, bye.